I want to minister for a few moments, and I'm going to draw your attention to uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And uh, we're going to be ministering this Sunday, next Sunday, and, and Christmas Eve on the ghost of Christmas. How many knows a ghost? Do you have a ghost in your life? Do you even have a ghost of a chance? Have you ever took time to think about a ghost that you might just really shy away from? Well, we're going to talk about the ghost of the past this morning as we lead up to Christmas, and we're going to take our thoughts from the Word of God, and then we're going to expound on them for a few moments. Would you bow with me? Father, I ask you to touch these lips of clay this morning with beneficial words that will encourage this congregation and would give them a, the desire to do your will. It's not our will that really counts. and It's when we submit our will and we're able to say, as Jesus said as he was facing the cross, not my will, but your will be done. Father, today I just thank you for the word of God. It's a lamp unto our feet and light to our pathway. I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that you give us and empower us to become what you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And again, everybody said, amen. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived from her is from the Holy Spirit. How, how many believe in the virgin birth of Jesus? Let me, ask a, let me ask a different question. How many doesn't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus? If you can get a hold of this, this, this part of the Bible, you won't have any trouble with the rest of it. Let me, let me ask you, what kind of story would, would, would it be if, if uh, this had happened to you? What happened to Joseph? And let's finish the scripture. She, uh, here's what she says. Uh, after he had considered what he had heard, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All of this because he will, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to the son, and he gave him the name Jesus. How about a trivia question this morning? Everybody just relax. Uh, just, just, you don't have to act like you're uh, in church this morning, okay? Let's just take a deep breath. How's that? Take another deep breath. It's all on me. Trivia question this morning. What do these actors have in common? James Earl Jones, Jim Carrey, Patrick Stewart, Bill Murray. What if I added George Scott, CeCe Tyson, Tom Hanks? Do you have a hint? Here's one final hint. Maybe the great actor of our generation, Scrooge McDuck. Does that ring a bell? No? I'm in the right congregation this morning. All of these have had honor in playing the role Scrooge in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. It's probably the most famous story outside of the Bible, and it's been retold countless times. 
Let me ask you another one more time. Has anybody seen Scrooge? All right, a few of you. All right, well, we're, we're going to have fun with this. In one fate night, Scrooge is confronted by his past, his present, and his future, all for the purpose of helping him change his greedy ways and catch the Christmas spirit. And his companion for the journey are three ghosts, each with their own personalities and purposes. How's your Christmas spirit doing today? If you're like some of the ongoing rush for the holidays, has your feeling been more like Scrooge than usual? Maybe we need some ghosts to help us open our heart of what is coming this Christmas. For the next three weeks, we're going to be spending some time with Scrooge as we peer into his past, ponder his present, and yet yearn for that which is ahead. And we know the ghosts were able to change Scrooge's focus from the pull of materialism and money to the true spirit behind the coming Christ the child. The ghost did it for Scrooge in one night. Let me ask you, can you think he could change our heart in three weeks? Silence gives consent. I don't really know about ghosts, but I do know about the Holy Spirit who wants to help us experience Christmas in a fresh new way. When Jared mentioned sacking groceries, it immediately brought back old times. I enjoyed working the grocery store, but I didn't get to sack long before uh, working for uh, my brother-in-law, who was a manager of United Supermarket. I was trained to use the cash register. And uh, you better be able to keep those keys going along with reaching into the basket and bringing the groceries out. You better learn how to say hello to every customer, and you better never let a lady walk out of the door with her sack of groceries in her hand. It was a new day for me, but the longer I worked, and then Saturday night was the, the hour of attraction. There was a mop when I was 14 years of age that was heavier than me, and we had to mop that supermarket every Saturday night. By the time you mopped that store, you got everything ready to go home, it was always after 10 o'clock. The alarm went off at 6. We were back at the post on 7, and the doors were open at 8. Guess what I was reminded of when I sacked groceries the past few days? It was funny. It was enjoyable. One gentleman that everybody would know and uh, followed me out, I had his two sacks of groceries, and he said, Orville, would you really tell me what's going on here? I had been sacking and carrying out where Carolyn was, was uh, sacking, and Jared and Jenny, his family, was in the next uh, booth, and he was looking. There's a pastor. There, there's an associate and a youth pastor, and there's a church secretary. He said, I want you to tell me what's really going on. Or he didn't say this to me. He said it to, to Jared. I'll get to my story. And Jared expressed this way. Well, you know, the church has just fell on hard times. The story that happened to me was this. As we were headed toward the gentleman's pickup, he said, Orville, could you really tell me what's going on? I said, I really hate to, but since you ask and we're close friends, I'll tell you. I'm working to try to make enough money to buy me a new winter coat. <laughs> you could hear him laughing after the groceries had gone in the pickup, and after the door had shut, he was still laughing uh, at what was going on. We're, we're, if you're not familiar with the, the Christmas story, Ebenezer Scrooge, he's a miserable old man whose love of money has left him leading a very lonely life. Dickens describes him this way. He was a tight-fisted hand full of grindstone, a squeezing, wrenching, grasp, scrapping, clutching, and a covetous old sinner. 
to which we would ask and say, bless his heart. Watch this clip. Do you know that man? Scrooge is at his worst. He mistreats his employee, Bob Cratchit. He dismisses an invitation to his nephew Fred's Christmas party with a scowling bah humbug. Watch clip two. Merry Christmas, Bob Cratchit. And the same to you, Mr. Fred. Merry Christmas, Uncle. I said, Merry Christmas, Uncle. <laughs> humbug. Christmas a humbug, Uncle. Surely you don't mean that. I do. What's well, Christmas? But a time for buying things for which you have no need, no money. <laughs> time for finding yourself a year older, not an hour richer. <laughs> 
If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled in his own pudding <laughs> and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. <laughs> Come now, Uncle. Neville. You keep Christmas in your way and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone, then. Much good it may do you. Much good it has done you. There are a great many things from which I might have derived good, from which I have not profited, I dare say. Christmas among the rest. But I've always thought of Christmas time when it comes right as a good time. A kindly, forgiving, charitable time. A time when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut-up hearts freely to their fellow creatures. And so Uncle Lurt has never put a scrap of gold or silver into my pocket. I do believe that it has done me good. And I say, God bless it. Not a sound from you. And you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. You're quite a powerful speaker, sir. I wonder you don't go into Parliament. Please don't be angry, Uncle. Come, dine with us tomorrow. Dine with <laughs> you. Have you met him? On Christmas Eve, Scrooge is visited by the ghost of his former partner, Jacob Marley. Scrooge learns that Marley has been condemned to walk the earth, carrying his heavy chains because of the greedy life that he's led. Marley warns Scrooge to avoid the same fate and says that three ghosts will be visiting him that night. The first ghost that arrives is the ghost of the past. The stranger, childlike phantom with a bright glowing head, the spirit escorts Scrooge in a journey into the past to his previous Christmases from his earlier years. Then Scrooge once again revisits his childhood days, his apprenticeship with a jolly merchant named Feswick. And he engages to Belle, a woman who leaves Scrooge because of his love for money. And what's greater than the love for her was his love for money. And Scrooge is moved to tears by the joy and the regret that he's experienced. With all probability, the feel that Scrooge has is still expressed today among people. And many times we think about our Christmases that we enjoy. Sometimes we think about the memories that we entertain at Christmas time. There are good memories that bless us, and there are good memories that brings tears to our eyes. Sometimes those memories are captured with our, our decorations that we hide behind. Sometimes there's hidden treasures and hidden, hidden thoughts and memories behind the Christmas tree. We put up the tree, and each ornament carries a story. I sat on the divan or in my chair as I listened to the ornaments that went on, and Sherry was able to identify. This is a picture of Denisa when she was just a little baby. And as they hang the ornaments, this came from Mom Unwin. And this ornament came, and the memories began to flood as those ornaments decorate the tree. And then there's times when Christmas memories uh, aren't so pleasant. Uh, sometimes it's the mom of the house that, uh, as she slaves over the, over the stove, putting the m meal together. And I've heard this from Sherry more times than once. I work two to three days for one hour of enjoyment called Christmas dinner. I've also watched her. She's at the table many times. And due to having 
a home that's, that hasn't been totally balanced with Jesus Christ, a home that's been dysfunctional for many years. I've watched more, more Christmases when Sherry would set the full table and one chair and one plate would never be touched. And even though she's really good at hiding tears, Christmas hasn't always been a pleasant memory. But inwardly, the joy of the Lord radiates in our lives as we realize the goodness of God and his mercy that endures forever. And it's those moments, many times our hearts are touched and sometimes our spirit is crushed that we realize even Jesus, as he faced the weary cross and the cruel cross of Calvary, knew what it was for a heart to be broken and tears shed as the religious group of that day put him to death. So Christmas carries both good memories not so good memories, and then there's memories that we'd like to extinguish from our mentality, and yet they linger. Even, I believe, the author of the uh, song that wrote, uh, wrote Precious Memories was dealing with a process that you and I always deal with. Well, of course, then there's the good old days, the days when Mom and Dad Unwin sat at our table, and now they have graduated and are enjoying the presence of the Lord. Then there was Mom and Dad White that always graced our home, our home just kind of seemed to be the round table for both families. My mom and dad loved Sherry's mom and dad. They hit it off. In fact, I'll tell you how much my mom and dad loved Sherry's folks. They were the only one in the community in 1957 when we moved here that had a black and white television. My dad called them Hellovisions, H-E-L-L-I-V-I-S-I-O-N. But yet... He loved to go to the Unwin farm at least twice a week, especially the night that John Wayne was the featured movie. Hidden in the treasure chest of his thoughts were the days that it was no sin. You wouldn't go to hell if you went to the show and watched John Wayne. I can still remember walking by the picture show and they had the billboards out of, of the movies that were being shown and, and maybe in the center was where the lady or gentleman sat in the ticket booth and there was a little round window where you could reach in and give them their dime and they would give you a ticket and you could go see something that would send you to hell. I remember those memories. I remember when it was such a sin to have a television. I've even had people in the ministry, believe this or not, no, no shadows on preachers, okay? Preachers are just like you. They get dirty. They sweat. They stink. They need baths every day just like you and I, you do. But I'll never forget when the, when the first televisions begin to show up. A great friend of my dad said I, he visited our home one day. Sherry's dad had some of the greatest hunting in Major County, and my dad had a lot of friends during hunting season. And fortunately, I was working. I was employed at Southern, but there was, it was so far to, uh, to drive to a, a restaurant that they would eat at my table while I was working, and Sherry would prepare the food. On the first year that this pastor from Oklahoma City graced our home, he walked by this little portable TV. We'd give $25 for it, and instead sat on a little, little uh, uh, food tray uh, because that's all we could afford. And he walked by that television, and he looked at that television, and he says this words to Sherry, Sherry, Orville will never amount to a hill of beans till you sell that hell of vision. I'm a hill of beans today. <laughs> Here I am. The funny part is the story is this. 
five years later. He graces our house. At the table, he says, well, Sister Newby had to have a home entertainment center, and I bought that for her for Christmas this year. What do you think went off? No, 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 no. Yeah, no, you can't. You can say no as long as you want to to memories that you want to hang on to. But if you ever notice, they'll never detach until you personally say bye-bye. Until you quit saying precious memories, how they linger. What do you thought that I, what, let me just ask you a trivia question. How do you think I thought every time I seen them after he bought his wife a hell of vision? Today everybody has one. I'll say this, there probably wouldn't be a near many in pastor's homes if they showed on the screen then what they show now. However, the memories of the past are something that you and I will deal with the right way or the wrong way. But the Apostle Paul is just so conveniently uh, uh, inscribed in the Bible, and I, I, I should have had it in, in print ready for you, but he said, Brethren, talking to his congregation, I count not myself to have apprehended. And here's what he said. I don't know everything or understand, and I don't have all the answers of everything that's going on. But he said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I'm going to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Hallelujah. You see, you just can't have a handful of hurts in your past and, and pierce your future. And let me just set you in the driver's seat of your automobile that you've driven to church this morning. Have you noticed just outside the right, right door where your wife or your companion is sitting, if she trusts your driving, is a little emblem called a rear view mirror? Have you ever noticed just, just so that you would, your wife not only could pay attention, but you could also pay attention, there's one on the left door too. And then... For those that just want to take a glance and never take your eye off, the, off of where you're going and you're a very dedicated driver, you can just glance up and you can see a little mirror about this size called a rear view mirror. Let me ask you this. Then is that mirror hanging right close to the center of your windshield? Then the next trivia question, how, how big is that rear view mirror compared to the windshield so that, that you have in, in front of you where you can stare from the, as far as you can see to the right, as far as you can see to the left, and as far as you can see straight ahead? Have you noticed the difference in the size? I wonder if that might not send a spiritual lesson to all of us. That what you've already ran over should never contaminate what you're facing. And neither should you run over your future while you're focused so much on your past. Today, Christmas season has, is arriving. And the good old days of Christmas aren't always good. The memories we have don't always bring joy to our heart. But Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And there have been times when I've been so overwhelmed on the in inward side of my life that tears streamed down my cheek. Tears of joy. Something great had happened. Something awesome had happened. It was a celebration even though my body didn't really know how to process it all. Tears streamed down my cheek as I was shouting and rejoicing on the inside. That happened this week. Wanda 
Clayton called me to let me know that Jody, her only son-in-law, was being medevaced by air to, to uh, Oklahoma City, to the hospital. She later called me back and said, he's been located at Deaconess. And my schedule was so full when I got the message, but I have a brother that's retired. Guess what? Be good to your brother. You may need him tomorrow. I picked up the phone. I said, David, David, could you do me a favor? Everything good? He said, everything's great. What can I do for you? I said, I have a a special friend that's been medevaced to Deaconess Hospital. Would you go make a pastoral call till I can get there? He said, absolutely. He said, I was getting ready to get in the shower. Anyhow, I'll be fresh. I'll have clean clothes on, and I'll boogie right over there just as soon as I can. The next day, I made my way to Deaconess Hospital. And I met a couple that I'd known since their childhood days. And we visited. I visited with Susan, Wanda's daughter. And then I focused on a man in ICU, Jody Burton, who had been transported by medevac. And he's there laying there. He just came back from uh, an MRI. And so I said, Jody, I have a question for you. He said, okay. I said, have you ever made peace with the Lord? And have you ever invited Jesus Christ in your life and asked him to forgive your sins? I said, do you know that you're a Christian? He said, well, I, th- I think I am. I said, Jody, listen, this is a matter of life and death. I can't leave your I see your room today without knowing that your name is written in the book of life. And if I never see you again on this side of heaven, I'm going to meet you there. I've got to know. Would you consider praying a sinner's prayer with me? And when I walk out of here, I can know that your name is written in the book of life. If you never get home, I can know that you made peace with God and you're ready to go. And he said, I will. Joy radiated in my spirit and tears began to stream because my body sometimes just cannot process things that are going on. That's the reason I need the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gave me a simple prayer as I led Jody in prayer. Something awesome was transpiring in that ICU room that only God could convey and fill and flood and overflow. You can't guess how a 76-year-old kid felt like when those doors opened and I walked out of ICU. The Bible says that angels rejoice when one person gives their heart to Jesus. I heard angelic beings crying out in praise because one sinner had made a decision to have his name written in the book of life. Evening came. Susan texted me, Orville, when you left our room, I've never seen the joy radiate in Jody's life like I've seen it. I thought, awesome, awesome, God, just keep filling, flooding, and overflowing his life. Let him know you're real. I went back the next day. I walked in as the doctors were walking out. He said, Orla, they're going to send me home. I said, you've got to be kidding me. They're going to move you from ICU to home? He said, that's what they're saying. Today, Jody Burton is home. And, and, and Susan was saying, you know, this is, is kind of unusual. I said, well, when the doctors have done all they can do, we still have a great physician. The Bible says he's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. The Bible says he's not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should come to repentance. So listen to me. Christmas is a celebration. And there will be doors of opportunity that will open for you, then I won't be there. But I can tell you something. Everywhere you go, Jesus goes. Everywhere you take him, guess what? And whether you invite him or not, he goes with you. Let me ask you this. Why do we try to hide things when he's always an all-seeing God? Why do we always look around and see if anybody's looking before we uh, uh, turn left when the red light's red? Or even other things. Listen to me. God is an all-knowing God. And this Christmas season, I want you to know, as you face decisions, as you look at this, I, I, know, I know our world is filled with, with such a, it, it's a, Christmas anymore is such a, a, a time of, you see, the merchandising of our world, and, 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 and we barely get through, before we get through Thanksgiving, we're already merchandising at Christmas, and, you know, that's the world's way of trying to get you ready for something that, that they've got that they won't hope you need. But I can tell you something, Christmas doesn't come once a year. Every day can be a Christmas gift to all of us because what Jesus did for us, he gave a gift eternally. And the gift of strength flows through us every day. As I look at Joseph, there were two things that Joseph could have done in his day. He was a very religious man. He knew the, he knew the, the laws, and he had studied. He had memorized, and there was two things that he could do. If a lady was caught in bed with a man that wasn't her husband, they both were to be stoned. That was the law. So either he had the right to hide the, the embarrassment of, of, of Mary being pregnant. I can see Mary coming into his presence for the first time. She said, Joseph, I've got good news and I've got bad news. And she says, uh, let me tell you the good news. First, I'm pregnant. And the bad news is, it's not yours. Or nor is it anybody else's. The Holy Spirit has allowed me to conceive. And there's going to be a, a child that's going to be born. His name's going to be Jesus. Joseph already knew that. The angel of the Lord had appeared to him. So... Joseph is pondering in his heart, what should I do? Let me ask you, how many the past few days you've pondered in your heart? What should I do? Maybe it was about a financial situation. Maybe it was about a, a marital situation. Maybe it was about a spiritual situation in your life. And you've pondered, what should I do? Joseph, while he was pondering in his heart, the option was if he wasn't going to stone her, would he deal with her by way of divorce and privately not embarrass her and wait till everything had kind of subsided before the announcement was made? But Joseph processed God's plan, just like you and I. He faces a de decision, one of the most important decisions that anyone in the Bible has ever made. What to do with Mary? What to do with the unborn child? We're told that Joseph, he was so righteous. He knew the Jewish law. He knew everything. And he followed the law to the, to the, to the, to the very period of each sentence. He could do what Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 2 says. And I've already told you what his boundaries were. He could have her stone. He could also cover 
the situation by quietness. But instead, he listened to the voice of the Lord. He listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Could I say this this morning? You know the Lord is speaking 24-7. Can I say this? Do you know that we all have a conscience? And let me say something you don't hear me say very often. Your conscience will never die, no matter which direction you go. If heaven is real and you've accepted Jesus, guess what? Your conscience is clear. Your, your life is dedicated. But if you never dedicated your heart to Jesus and you go the wrong way, there's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun. But in hell, your conscience will still be alive. The Bible says in that place there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And we all process this life. The Bible even tells us if in this life only we had hope, we'd be of all people most miserable. Listen to me. Have you ever been in a mess like Joseph was in? Have you ever been able, had to, have you ever processed the fact that what I'm doing may not make me feel better, but it's going to be the good for all? It only took a split second for Joseph to realize that God had a plan. There may be those of us today, did you live in regret? Maybe it was a a decision you made in a split second that was not a good decision. And today your memories are so entangled with what you did that you wish you'd never done. And the power of the past sometimes is so great in all of our lives that if it wasn't for Jesus, it would be hard to distinguish. But I close with this this morning. Jesus is the one who teaches us how to forgive and forget. And he's standing at your heart's door knocking this morning, and he said, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. I want you to stand this morning. This is Communion Sunday. That clock runs faster on Sunday morning than any other time of the week. And we're about three minutes past 12, according to that clock on the wall. But those this morning that want to be a part of communion, I'm going to ask you to step forward in just a moment. But I'd like for you to bow your head today while the sound man puts on some soft music. And I'd just like to ask this question. Are you here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? You're facing his Christmas today knowing that you need help, the strength that that you need to carry you through, somebody that will understand, somebody that will care, somebody that will love you unconditionally no matter what your past may have been. Listen, we all have a past, but I can tell you one thing. We can leave that past behind us. Our past doesn't, doesn't have to haunt us today because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, his heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you just, would you just look my way and hold steady until I recognize you today? And by this, I'll know you're here. You don't know Jesus. You've never accepted him as your personal Savior, and you'll admit today, that's me, Orville. I need your prayer. Could I see anyone in the building for just a moment while we wait? God bless you this morning. God bless you. God bless you. Here's what I want to do. I want everybody to come forward that's going to be a part of communion. 
and and we're gonna we're gonna lead everybody in this prayer when you come forward maybe this is new to you if you've never had communion before we believe in gathering together this morning and communion is open you don't have to be a member of this church but I can tell you, this is a place where we invite Jesus to accept our thanks and gratitude for the blood that he shed at Calvary for our sins. Here's a time that we reverence because the bread represents a broken body of Jesus that was hung on a tree that we can go free. And this morning, as we recognize this, this time, it's an awesome time. Maybe you need healing for your spirit this morning. Maybe you need physical healing for your body. It's a time when we can reflect upon what the Bible says. It says, in his own body, he carried stripes that paid for our healing. He shed his blood that we could go free from the bondage of sin. And that's exactly what he wants to do for all of us this morning. Jared is coming to lead us in communion, but while he's coming and the ushers, the elders come and get ready to serve the communion this morning, I want to lead everyone in, a, in the sinner's prayer. And I want you to pray this prayer with your heart. Don't let it just be words from your lip, but let it be known from your heart. And I want you to just join me as we pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning that you died on the cross for my sins. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your word declares, if I will ask you to forgive me of my sins, not only will you forgive me of my sins, but you'll write my name in the book of life. This morning, I confess that I'm a sinner. I need your friendship. I need your forgiveness. And from this day forward, I want you to be Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving me a hope beyond this life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you just put your hands together in a moment to reverence? Two people looked at me this morning and made eye contact. Isn't it awesome this morning, this Christmas season, that this wasn't is not just another uh, a Sunday morning service. This is a, a time when two people said, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. It's a celebration time. Right? It's a celebration time. Jared, would you come and, and take communion and, and let's just enjoy the presence of the Lord for a few minutes.